Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast for Come Rain, Shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Connor Baltazor. Unfortunately, Ace is unable to be here this week, so it's just me running solo. We may have some occasional interruptions from my cat, Maple. She's sitting next to me right now, uh, so we'll see if maybe she meows a little bit. She's on the verge of getting the zoomies at the moment, so. We'll see how these things go. But yeah, we've got some pretty big things to talk about this week, primarily centered around recruiting, mainly in football, but also a little bit of basketball. And then we also have some scheduling updates for men's basketball, women's basketball this year. And then just a little bit of track news as well. It's a sport that we probably haven't covered as much as we should have, but we'll drop in a little note here today. It's pretty big, but we can go ahead and get started out with the big recruitment weekend that K-State football just had. And it wouldn't be a stretch to say that it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest recruitment weekends for K-State football in recent memory. Um, Many of you probably are already aware that four-star quarterback from Mays, Kansas, Avery Johnson, he was in Manhattan this past weekend and unfortunately did have to deal with a tornado, but He's a Kansas kid, so he's probably used to that. Um, And he was here on a visit, uh, an official visit this time. He's already visited Manhattan a handful of times, I'm sure. And he comes to Kansas State on an official for the first time. Uh, 24-7 right now has him as the 213th ranked prospect in the country and the number one prospect in the state of Kansas. Kansas State has not landed a number one prospect in the state of Kansas for a very, very long time. I think I'm trying to think back on the who it may have been, but I'm pretty sure if memory serves correctly, it's been in between 15 and 20 years since we have landed a number one prospect from in-state. So Avery Johnson's recruitment obviously is huge. Um, And right now it seems as though Kansas State might be in the driver's seat. I mean, I'll knock on wood for that because I I don't want to jinx anything, but he already has visited Washington on an official visit a couple weeks ago, and now he will be visiting Oregon uh, here pretty soon as well. Uh, The day of this episode releases, he probably will be there by that point, I imagine. Um, But right now he does have a prediction in for K-State on 24-7 and 8 out of 10 confidence. That's the only prediction in right now. But yeah, Avery, um, it goes without saying that he could be the biggest commit for K-State ever and certainly the most important recruit for Chris Kleiman in his tenure thus far because this is the type of player that historically K-State has made a run at and has just not been able to seal the deal. But Avery Johnson, I mean, he's phenomenally talented. He's an unbelievable athlete at the quarterback position, has a a very strong arm, and is a great decision maker as well. And beyond that, he has the uncoachable clutch gene as well. He he seems to get better in high-pressure situations. I won't delve too much into his game just because he's not committed yet. He is committing uh, the week after... Oregon, I believe. I think that he stated publicly that he wants to be committed before the Elite 11 finals, which is, for those unaware, is a it's a big quarterback competition that they have for 
high school recruits nationally, and he has made the finals of that, thus the Elite 11, as the the name so subtly implies. Uh, But he hopefully will be committed by then. But Avery Johnson, he's a guy that we've, uh, Ace and I, we've been talking about since the very first episode of this podcast, if memory serves. It's been over a year since then, but I might be misremembering, but he he's somebody that we've known for quite some time. He'd be, it'd be a paradigm shift. Uh, it, it would be Chris Kleiman putting his foot down and finally taking the state of Kansas like he said that he wanted to do. He wanted to lock down the borders of this state when he got here. That's something that he said. And people have been a little bit upset about the slow progress on that. But if you land Avery, then everything changes with that. And Avery was not the only uh, recruit in Manhattan this past weekend. A four-star wide receiver target, uh, Josh Manning out of Lee's Summit, uh, he was here as well. He's a 275th nationally ranked recruit, um, just above a .9 grade on 24-7. Some other schools that are listed uh, on 24-7 as having high interest are Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa State, Nebraska. So the usual suspects of who K-State is going to be recruiting against, you know, nothing out of the ordinary there. But Josh Manning, that, that's again an official visit from both Avery and Josh. The interesting, that's what makes uh, Avery particularly interesting, I think, is the possibility of pairing up a four-star quarterback with a four-star wide receiver. And I can say that I don't remember the last time K-State got a four-star wide receiver or if that's something that's even happened ever uh, Lamarck Brown is somebody that comes to mind, but I seem to remember him as kind of like a running back slash receiver slash athlete kind of guy. And he was a four star, but I, I'm uh, that I was pretty young when he was playing at K State. So my memory on him is pretty uh, fuzzy as it stands. But Josh Manning, haven't seen as much film on him. But again, if you compare Avery Johnson with Josh Manning, I mean, again, that's that's game-changing talent for K-State because the big thing with K-State recruiting is that they've been successful with lower-ranked recruiting classes. So imagine how things change when they're bringing in highly-rated guys and nationally-recruited guys. I mean, K-State's going head-to-head with Oregon and Washington, uh, and Oregon is a really big threat there, but... This historically is a recruiting battle where K-State wouldn't even have a shot. And the fact that they're squarely in the mix and maybe even the favorite going into the final moments of this big-time recruitment, I think that speaks volumes to any adjustments that have been made by Chris Kleiman. And at the end of the day, you have to be impressed by that, that they've been able to stick around in this recruitment, hold a lead, and fend off several schools. Because I remember at one point, Avery Johnson was on everybody wanted, but it didn't really seem like something that was particularly realistic. And uh, I remember trying to be optimistic about it, but it seemed like there was just a lot of pessimism surrounding the recruitment, but everything's really changed in that department, it seems like. Uh, So Avery, uh, I can't even begin to overstate the importance of the recruitment for Avery Johnson. And Josh Manning as well, that gives him a a high-level target um, 
with that being said, I mean, just because these guys are four stars, that doesn't mean that we should necessarily expect them to come in and compete like day one for the starting job, or I should say be starters day one. As I think something that gets lost uh, to K-State fans, myself included, is that just because someone's a four-star doesn't mean that they're ready to play on day one. That just means that they're a good player that maybe has a higher ceiling than the average player and that analysts really like them as a future NFL prospect. But that doesn't necessarily indicate that they're going to be a starter on day one. I mean, Trevor Lawrence was a five-star consensus number one pick, and he was incredible as a freshman, but he is the exception to the rule. Very, very rarely is a true freshman going to come in and start at quarterback and be incredibly successful like that. And even for other positions like wide receiver, there's a lot of adjusting that has to be done, especially in a pass-happy league where a lot of schools focus on cornerback recruiting. Josh Mann is going to have to get used to that uh, power five level of defense. With that being said, a high-level recruit may be able to rely on athleticism more um, and the skills they already have. So we may see a guy like Josh Manning on the field a little bit sooner. And the same goes for Avery Johnson, because should Avery Johnson and Josh Manning commit, they'll both be true freshmen next year. Uh, Adrian Martinez will be gone. Malik Knowles, maybe he returns, maybe not. Same statement for Phillip Brooks. And then Cade Warner, I believe, will be gone because he'll be out of eligibility. So that's leaving rooms a little bit more open for them. But I'm, I'm not sure what we should expect ultimately from them. We may see a bit of Avery, uh, but, you know, it just remains to be seen how he picks up the playbook, uh, how he develops physically, because right now one of the biggest downsides to him is that he's only 170 pounds and you have to question his durability and how he'll hold up. That's not to say that he can't bulk up and add weight. Skylar Thompson came into K-State at like 180. I think he finished around 225, 230, something like that. So it's not unheard of. And Trumaine Carroll is an excellent strength and conditioning coach. And, I mean, he, he's completely changed the paradigm uh, and the uh, the level of uh, strength in the program. I mean, everybody just looks physically stronger, uh, much more so than we ever saw, I feel like, in previous years with the team. But Avery – Absolutely massive recruitment. Josh Manning has sneakily been a huge recruit for K-State and an official visit. This is a guy that I was about to say five years ago, but even one or two years ago, we may not even get on an official visit. And he comes in on an official visit at the same time as Avery Johnson. They take recruitment photos together. It's clear that there's some form of desire there to potentially team up in college. So hopefully um, Avery and Josh end up uh, bringing those ideas together and are able to come together and uh, play in college, but we'll see. But again, we've been talking about four stars visiting a lot. There's one more that needs to be mentioned, and that's Dylan Edwards, who's had a uh, very strange recruitment. It's been very up and down from a K-State side at one point. Uh, everybody seems to be talking about him as a sure thing. I remember seeing him at uh, the Baylor game, I believe, and he was recognized and everybody was cheering at him. And then uh, OU offered and the sky was falling. I completely wrote off this recruitment, but it's lasted so long that it's gotten to the point where K-State 
might be sitting in a great position and national experts seem to follow that train of thought as well. Right now on 24-7, there's a total of six predictions in for, there's two for OU, but those come from January 29th and February 1st. So it's safe to say those are outdated considering that the next four predictions have all come since June 13th, with two of them being the day of recording, June 16th, and they all predict K-State. Gopowercat.com has a prediction of confidence of four out of 10 for Dylan to K-State. Two insiders at uh, Oklahoma Insider, uh, they both have predictions in for K-State. And then uh, the director of football recruiting, for 24-7 sports, Steve Wiltfong, uh, he puts in a K-State prediction as well. And so now you have heavy hitters and people that have no particular reason to predict K-State, I mean, or, or to fabricate a prediction. I mean, you have two Oklahoma people saying K-State's likely landing Dylan, and then you have a national director of scouting or of, of recruiting uh, for uh, predicting Dylan Edwards to Kansas State, which you have to wonder what brings that about. And a few days ago, Dylan Edwards announced an official visit to Kansas State, which seemingly came out of nowhere because I didn't remember hearing about anything until a few days ago. And then all of a sudden he has a visit lined up for June 17th, this Friday, the day that this episode releases and this is coming on the heels of Oklahoma taking a rec- taking a commitment from four-star running back Caleb Hicks. And also, you go and look at their 24-7 page. They're listed um, as uh, likely high candidates for other four-star or for a four-star running back in Dalen Smothers and then a five-star running back in Richard Young. So you have to wonder if maybe Dylan Edwards um, saw the writing on the wall with OU and saw that they were going to take other guys and pull the rug out from under him. And so instead he says, well, you've made my decision a lot easier and I'm going to go and officially visit K-State. So Dylan Edwards, another phenomenal recruit, uh, the, according to 24 seven, the fourth rated player in the state of Kansas, a legacy recruit, his father, Leon Edwards played back in the 90s for Bill Snyder. And Dylan Edwards, his uh, pedigree is, it speaks for itself. Uh, he's an absolutely excellent high school football player. And 5'9, 165, uh, fills out his frame a little better than I thought because 160, 165 initially worried me a little bit, especially at 5'9. But you you look at him on camp circuits and you're like, okay, he he's not you know sick thin or anything like that. But he's a four star recruit right now. He recently, I believe, was upgraded to a four star recruit. He wasn't previously four stars, but he's visiting K State soon. All these predictions are coming in for K State as the leader in this recruitment. So all of a sudden, if you're Kansas State, you've gone from in the previous. Oh gosh, four, five, six years getting one or two four stars. Jake Rubley off the top of my head. And I can't think of another four star that we've landed recently. 
and then in one class landing three or two of them being in state at least potentially you know we'll we'll see how everything shakes out but these official visits are important to get and it seems like a lot of recruitments are starting to come towards their end but if Avery and Dylan were to commit I mean that and as well as Josh Manny, I mean, that'd be an incredible trio of offensive skill position players who two to three years down the line, those are the type of guys that could take Kansas State to the top of the Big 12. I mean, you have Dylan Edwards, a running back, um, who can also split out. If you see some of his highlights, he's got excellent ball skills for a running back, a little reminiscent of a guy we have on the roster at the moment. And Josh Manning, he's an excellent wide receiver as well. He don't get four stars for nothing. And Avery Johnson, a phenomenal athlete, a really smart quarterback as well. Um, I mean, that, that's a game-changing talent for K-State. And the defense has already it proved itself last year. The defense proved itself, and they proved that they can mix in high school recruits, uh, lower-level guys, higher-level guys, and transfers to make a really excellent product defensively. I mean, you mix in, you know, previously very highly sought after recruits like Daniel Green with guys who flew under the radar like Felix and Yudike Usama and then transfers like Julius Brents and Rest East. Um, all that came together for a great defense. And the offense now bringing in guys like this and things really start to change for, for Kansas State, I think, in the future. And they aren't the only people that have been visiting. Uh, Asa Newsom, uh, three-star athlete out of Iowa he visited um, on Monday Colin Dunn uh, I, I've seen him listed as both a safety and a linebacker I'm gonna go with safety for now because of his frame he's 6'1 190 but you could maybe see him playing uh, a coverage linebacker possibly maybe he fits into the uh, jack safety role that we have um, but Colin Dunn out of Alabama uh, he's visiting Friday as well as Calvin Clements of Lawrence. He's an offensive tackle, a uh, high rated three star. And then Andre Davis, another wide receiver, uh, high three star out of uh, Blue Valley uh, in the Kansas City suburbs. Uh, I mean, you put Andre Davis and Josh Manning together. That's two of the highest rated receiver recruits that K-State has had in years in the same class. And then you go forward a little bit more, another week. Donovan McIntosh, a corner out of St. Louis, another high three-star, and then DK Kalu out of Missouri City, Texas. Uh, defensive lineman, 6'2", 270. Um, not sure if he projects to defensive end or defensive tackle, but another high three-star. And these are, hello, Maple. She's making her guest appearance. But these are all, it's, it's a clear step up. In recruitment for K-State. These are guys that under Bill Snyder and previous previous seasons that, you know, we probably don't land because they were making do with guys that didn't have to compete as much for and lower level guys. But now we're seeing kind of the elevation of recruitment to a higher level. And we're, we're going after these four stars. And it isn't just like the beginning of the climate era where we're kind of in it, but we trail off towards the end. I mean, we're truly in these recruitments into the final moments, of course, all three of the guys I mentioned earlier, Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards, Josh Manning, all three of them might go elsewhere. I mean, Avery could commit to Oregon. Josh Manning could go to one of the other five schools on his 
list. And then Dylan Edwards, he might find another home elsewhere. And maybe he ends up getting in an OU. Um, it's, it's recruitment. Recruitment is a, a different beast. It's a, a strange thing that it's, it's difficult to ever have a sure thing in recruitment. But you, I think anybody that follows K-State recruitment at all, even casually, has to probably agree with the statement. This is probably the best that you felt about recruitment in years, maybe decades. It's been a while since we've been able to to say that we've been in guys been in on guys for this long and to have it truly pay off. Uh, at least we're hoping so. Um, we we ultimately we don't know for probably another two or three weeks, but. It's, it's something that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about every day, you know, I'm, I'm like, I just, I wish that these decisions could, could come sooner, but unfortunately, you know, we, we have to wait, you know, a couple more weeks, but it, it feels good to, to be in on these races longer and hopefully it pays off because it's going to really stand. And there's no way around that. If, you know, none of these recruitments go our way, or even if only two or three, go our way it's gonna sting you know it's gonna feel like we really missed out on something great but right now i'm choosing to be optimistic and to uh, to have a positive mindset on these recruitments because i mean there's there's no reason for four experts to put in k-state predictions for dylan edwards if they didn't truly feel convinced by that avery johnson with his k-state prediction i I'm feeling really good about that as well. I mean, it feels great to see K-State kind of have that lead there. And then, you know, a guy like Josh Manning, you know, you you hope that he sees guys like Avery Johnson, Dylan Edwards come to K-State and think I could really be a part of something special if I join up with them. So I, I think I've said about all I can on this topic. So I'll go ahead and move on to a sure, a, to go from predictions to a sure thing. I'll say, um, and that that K-State picked up a commitment in men's basketball from Desi Sills of Arkansas State and also formerly of Arkansas, and he will be transferring to Kansas State for what I believe will be his final year of eligibility. Uh, He's got four seasons under his belt. I imagine that he's probably just about out of eligibility at this point. But he spent three years at Arkansas last season at Arkansas State. And we're and I'm I'm very excited about Bessie Sills. The main reason for that is that he can I help you, Maple? She's upset about something. But Desi Sills, he has production at a power five level. And then went went down a level and improved his statistics a little bit. He's somebody that I think that the staff desperately needed to land. I don't mean him specifically, but somebody in his archetype, somebody that has proven that they can produce on a basketball floor at the level that we're currently at. Casey really needed an experienced player with good statistics. And Desi Sills brings that to the table last season. At Arkansas State, he had a career best 12.6 points per game. Another career best 3.6 rebound. All of these are career best 3.6 rebounds per game, 2.8 assists per game, 1.8 steals per game. And then, granted, a little bit concerning is the 2.5 turnovers per game relative to his assist rate. 
but that wasn't necessarily his role. He's kind of more of a two guard. So assists aren't necessarily his role, but that is a bit of a concerning assist to turnover ratio, 2.8 to 2.5. You'd like to see a wider margin between those, but we do have Marquise Noel on the roster who was one of the best ball distributors in the Big 12 last season, arguably the best. Uh, but then he also brings steals to the game. Um, Shooting-wise, he was 44% from the field. I guess you can round that up to 45 to be generous because he does have that 0.6 there at the end. Um, and then only 25.5% from three-point range. So not great at outside shooting. His career best was his freshman year, and it went down every season as a freshman. He shot 46% from three, but that was on just under two attempts per game. Um, then... Okay, Maple is being a little bit annoying, so I think I'm going to go ahead and let her out. I'll be right back. All right, I went ahead and let Maple out. She clearly wanted something that was in my room. So, but getting back to Desi Sills, uh, yeah, as a freshman, 46% from three, higher than his field goal percentage, actually. But again, that's going to be on, you know, not the, the greatest volume. He did play in every game that Arkansas had that season but he only started eight games, played about 17 minutes per game. I mean, he wasn't, he definitely wasn't the first offensive option. So, but his best season at Arkansas was actually a sophomore year. 10.6 points per game, three rebounds a game, 1.2 assists per game, 1.4 turnovers per game. Shot 42% from the field, uh, 33% from three. And his his free throw shooting has been a hit and miss. I would say it's average to below average. Uh, last season, Arkansas State, 72.7% from the line. But that sophomore year at Arkansas, 64.8% from the free throw line. I'd like to see a little bit better than that. But I watched a little bit of film on Desi Sills. I wasn't a ton available, especially not much available last year at Arkansas State. But I think the, the uh, defining trait of his game is his ability to get to the rim and shoot there. I think a lot of that uh, is reflected in the fact that two-point shooting, shooting 55.2%. So he's making over half of the two-point shots that he takes. And he shows a nasty crossover, a nasty crossover, a really nice Euro step in his game. There's there's a lot that he can do. And he he kind of has that Barry Brown layup package where he's, he's just going to either muscle his way to the rim, he'll step around somebody, he'll just run past you, and he's going to find a way to get to the rim, whether you want it to happen or not. And he's going to be pretty effective there as well. So I didn't see him dunk on any of the highlights that I saw. But, I mean, if he can get to the rim and make the bucket, that's all I care about. He did show some of his Arkansas highlights the ability to be acrobatic in the air. He was able to hang just long enough to adjust his shot. Uh, and showed a variety of ways that he was able to get the ball in the hoop at the rim. Uh, versatility of the rim is really nice. Um, his highlights didn't include anything defensive. I don't know much about him defensively. He's not like the long arm, tall outside shooter prospect that Tang has gotten for a lot of his transfers this year and out of high school guys. But I think he saw Desi Sills as somebody that could bring something a little bit different to the table and be a change of pace. Uh, and then also, he's just a really high-quality guard to have. If he's someone that can bring us, I'd say, anywhere from 8 to 10 points per game, I'm going to be decently happy with Desi Sills. 
but I do, of course, any, anything more is great, but his experience that he brings, um, you, you have to love it. There's no way around that. But, and then uh, another note on him is that he's a lefty like myself, uh, which kind of caught me off guard. Cause you don't really see a lot of left-handed basketball players, Cartier Jara, uh, of course, famous lefty, uh, for K-State. I say famous. We, we just know him for the highlight dunk against KU, but, um, yeah, Desi Sills coming into K-State as a lefty. Um, and then also right now we do have another cat signal out, but we don't know exactly who that is yet. Um, we're just hasn't been announced. It's been about a day now, I believe, since the most recent cat signal, but there, there's been no public announcement of who exactly it is. Um, but we'll, we'll remain uh curious about who that is maybe it may not be till the weekend it's impossible to say because the way the staff has been operating is that they're putting out their uh their cat signal right when they get the commitment i'd imagine and then they wait uh and that person just announces whenever they feel ready to do so um because with football it seems like most of the time we're getting a pretty quick reaction time um cat signal and then announcement Whereas the basketball has been all over the place. Sometimes it takes a couple of hours, sometimes less. Sometimes it takes a lot more. So I'm just speculating about how long it takes. Ultimately, getting a recruit is better than not. So I don't care how long the cat signal takes, but I'm anxiously awaiting uh, who it could be. I'm really hoping that it's a a big or an experienced wing. Um, Those are really the two big needs right now. I think we need someone behind Jarrell Colbert and I'd love a, uh, another wing or just another score, uh, regardless of position. Um, but those, those are really the big needs left at this point. So after this next commitment announcement, we should be at 10 scholarship players for the upcoming season, which is, that's pretty nice. You know, you can finally play five on five in practice, and which is I'm sure preferable to having a coach step in or something like that, but that about does it for the recruiting news that uh, we have this week. So we're going to move on to uh, just a brief note on track and that uh, TJ Shankar won the national championship and the high jump. I uh, jumped 2.27 meters in the air. Uh, I believe they went to a sudden death jump off. And uh, Shankar ends up winning that at 2.27. And it's his second national championship. I was reading through the article put out by uh, K-State Sports. And he uh, initially won back in 2018 and was runner-up twice, I believe. Um, So took a little while to get back to that second ring. But good for TJ and good for the track team. Good for High Jump U, which is, of course, Kansas State. But... Um, now the rest of the team, uh, a lot of second team, all Americans, uh, this time around at the outdoor championships in Eugene. Um, but you know, we can always rely on those high jumpers, getting us some team points. Um, and the last note that, uh, we have for tonight is, uh, the, um, basketball scheduling updates, uh, men's basketball, uh, was announced today that they're going to be hosting Florida in the Big 12 SEC Challenge on January 28th, 2023. I, for one, am ecstatic that it's not 
Ole Miss or Georgia or Vanderbilt again. It feels like we always are playing Ole Miss or uh, Georgia, Texas A&M. Those feel like the, the common ones. I always was hoping that we would play South Carolina uh, just to get a Frank Martin return trip to Manhattan, either that or get K-State down to, to face Frank. Uh, I just wanted a K-State and Frank reunion selfishly, but he's no longer at South Carolina, so it can't happen at this point, at least not with South Carolina. Maybe UMass finds their way on the schedule. But hosting Florida, that's a, a nice change of pace, and it's also nice to be hosting because it feels like we go on the road for that challenge a lot. Maybe I'm just misremembering. It, it probably alternates year to year, but it feels like we're constantly on the road for it. Um, but perhaps the stranger announcement is for a women's basketball game being played uh, in Milwaukee against Wisconsin on November 11th of this year in what is being called the Brew City Battle. And they're playing it at American Family Field where the Milwaukee Brewers MLB baseball team uh, play their games at. So a little strange. Normally, the only sport you're seeing at a baseball field that isn't baseball is football. Uh, thinking back to like the pinstripe bowl, I think Northwestern plays at Wrigley sometimes, but yeah, women's basketball, um, playing in a baseball field, pretty strange. Um, I, I can't think of how many times there've been basketball games played in baseball fields or baseball parks. Uh, it isn't indoor. They're not going to be playing in Wisconsin in November in the outdoors, luckily, but regardless, a little strange. Um, I, I like again, I can't think of the last time or if ever there's been basketball played in a baseball field. Um, I can think of it was Michigan State and somebody else, they played on a, like an aircraft carrier once. I've heard they're trying to revive it, but I do remember one thing about one interesting note about this, uh, the Brew City battle is that at one point it was rumored that it was going to be K-State and Wisconsin and men's basketball playing in this game. But uh, I remember there was a quote about Coach Tang was saying that that kind of fell through and probably wasn't going to happen at the uh, Casey Catbackers. And uh, so I figured that was dead. So it was interesting to see it resurface as a women's basketball game instead. Uh, there's, a, there's a men's basketball game happening as well, but I don't recall who Wisconsin's facing for that. Actually, it might be Stanford but don't hold me to that. But yeah, those are the scheduling updates for um, basketball. A uh, little odd, especially for the uh, women's basketball uh, matchup, but that'd be, that'd be kind of a fun game to make it to. I don't imagine I'll be able to, but if you have the ability to get up to Milwaukee and you are able to get some time off, that could, that could be pretty fun. But that wraps it up for this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can contact contact us at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, capital C, and Cats. If you'd like to follow us on a more personal note, you can follow me at Connor Bautzor, capital C, capital B, or you can follow Ace at AC Edwards. You can reach out to us via email at AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us in a more financial manner, you are more than welcome to visit our merch store and check out our designs. We'll have designs there such as Neon Alley Cats and 
Doomtang clan. But most importantly, thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast or come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.